Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Nerd Continuity. I am your co-host, Michael Dambold, and with me is the sickly and barely surviving Alex. <laughs> As, I'm, I'm not that sick. I uh, know, I'm joking. I'm contagious also via podcast. Oh, oh there you go. Sorry, guys. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah so it's, I think we, we, uh, we, got, we have been insanely busy over here. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah. Both of us with our own projects and... It's getting. It's that time of year, uh, so everyone's wanting everything done at, at you know right before like tax season, uh, like tax year is over and, and that kind of thing. So it's great for us, but it's also insanely busy. So um, yeah, <laughs> and plus we have our own personal stuff that we've been doing too. And you, dear sir, have been yeah. making enormous amounts of tutorials. Oh yes, because I don't have a life, so <laughs> I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, no, we. We like this time of the year, like right before Christmas, let's get wasted on work and side projects and freelancing and let's... Dude, I'm so high right now on this project. <laughs> let's not sleep at all because we don't need sleep. Yeah, it's one of those, one of those mm -hmm. times. Of, it's the most wonderful time of the year, oh, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yep. Um, okay, so we have some interesting topics uh, this yeah. week. Um, the first topic, it's uh, an article from CSSauthor.com, mm -hmm. and it's called Why You Should Stop Using Bootstrap. Yeah. Um, basically, it's a list of different frameworks, CSS-based frameworks. Now, actually, why you should stop using Bootstrap, it's my quote. Oh, okay. <laughs> and the, the, uh, the, the, the title okay. is 50 plus best CSS 50 plus frameworks. Yeah, I'm seeing that now. I'm sorry, guys. No, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> See, Alex is messing with me. Um, but but there, it's interesting. That, but it's interesting because the article does start out saying uh, that they believe that CSS frameworks save a lot of time. Yeah, they are famous for browser compatibility. Mm -hmm. uh, they promote grid-based layouts. They're great for responsive design, and it helps to learn CSS. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of grimaced at that a bit um, <laughs> because if you're using a CSS framework, you should know CSS. Uh -huh. um, you should not start using a framework, CSS framework, if you don't know CSS. Yes, exactly. Uh, that's it's kind of like no. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, cars are great to learn how to drive. Well, yes, <laughs> but not on the highway if you don't have a license. By yourself. <laughs> By self yourself. Self-taught myself how to drive. Thirteenth yeah. birthday. Here you go. Here's yeah. the keys. Um, but yeah, well, and so it has a list of different css frameworks there. a Here. lot like i oh, never yeah. heard about 49 of these frameworks yeah all i knew was materialize yeah and uh the first one is materialize.css and um <laughs> the rest i just i don't and what's no. your thought about materialize well I, t I tested it i took it out and i tested it and um i kind of i guess take it for a test drive so to speak yeah. And it was interesting. Mm -hmm. um, it's a different markup. It's a different type of markup. It is using CSS, but in an, in an unusual way, mm -hmm. it uh, I, I I didn't care for it too much. Um, and here's why: it's uh -huh. not that the framework was not good, and it's not that the code was not good. Um, I just couldn't see a reason to use it. That's great. I, in my in my job, yes. or personally, I I just. I don't know. I just looked at it, and it's an interesting concept, mm -hmm. but I just can't bring myself to to use it for work or for home use. Yeah, Bootstrap is you, you know almost universal at this point for responsive design, mm -hmm. uh, except for Foundation five slash six. Yeah, we had a conversation <laughs> gross, about that. Gross, uh, gross. But I mean, you really just have those two as the dominating 
frameworks mm-hmm. and they're not hard to use. Yeah. Uh, in fact, Bootstrap is actually pretty easy to use. Yes. Um, and just to, to introduce, and I and I did try to build stuff. I did try, actually try to build stuff with Materialize, mm-hmm. and it was okay. I mean, it, you know, it wasn't hard uh, to use or to learn, um, but I just couldn't find a practical application for it. Mm-hmm. What do you think? <laughs> uh, I I kind of agree. Like, especially Materialize. Like in this article, there are like fifty plus CSS frameworks, and in my opinion, a CSS framework should have mostly a really well-built grid system. Because if you have a grid system that it's fluid or responsive, adaptive, whatever you want, on top of that, you can build your own stuff and you can really learn CSS and build something amazing. But if, uh, like, as it materializes, it's a super strict library of rules and pre-made stuff, you just use that. And so you're going to use materialize to create fake Google material app Mm -hmm. basically and to edit and to change the style of materialize is kind of painful because it's so uh, coded in a way to simulate and emulate material design that if you want to do something slightly different good luck because it's just it's just terrible so in my opinion a csm framework shouldn't be so strict in their rules shouldn't have this like pre-made stuff so uh, hard coded in a way that you cannot change it and should be as open as possible and should be as adaptive as possible mm-hmm. for your own project so it's kind of well, meh. I, don't know. <laughs> I think the keyword there is adaptive adaptive yeah. um, and that's what bootstrap allows us to do bootstrap is really nice yeah and that i in, in that extent that it, it allows us to really adapt and kind of if we need to do something unusual yeah we can yeah um it it doesn't kind of lock us into a certain way of doing things Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think we kind of both agree on that and i did but you know after i got done with materialize i looked at the rest and i was like no (laughs) the good thing the the the, the funny thing about this article like the first one is materialized the third one is essence the essential material design the fourth one is material framework the fifth one is lift a css framework for google material design the fifth one the sixth one is material strap like what the hell? Like it, right now, it's it's just material design, just nothing else. It's just what the fuck? Yeah, I, I don't know. Okay, it just yeah, I think we both agree on that though. It's just one of those. Yeah, just use the grid. Like pick yeah. your favorite framework. Pick the grid. If the grid is really well built, then you can do whatever you want. And don't pretty much like don't bother about, oh, material design is the new thing, or like, as it was the skeuomorphism before. Just, mm-hmm. these are trends, they're going away. But a good grid, you can use that forever. And if you learn how to use a good grid system, you're pretty set to build whatever you want and not rely on a layout or a pre-made design that is going to change because the trend is going to change. So, Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Okay, so next up, yes. we have some interesting news from Adobe. <laughs> um, some terrible news. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> so brackets and Dreamweaver are. Uh, <sighs> there's some interesting stuff with that. Why don't you Why don't you let us know what's sure. happening? Sure. And before, like, we we just want to say that we don't hate Adobe because every time we no. do a podcast, it looks like we are bashing <clears throat> on Adobe. No. But no, I love Adobe. Yeah, we love it. But they're doing some 
we're shit that we don't like. Mm-hmm. So um, brackets, if you don't know, is a um, open source code editor. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically built for front-end developers. So it's great. Mm-hmm. He, he has he can manage a lot of cool CSS things, has a lot of cool functionalities. It's totally open source and it's built totally and only with HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. So it's a code editor built with web language that you mm-hmm. can edit and in fact has like more than 800 extensions uh, coded by users and it's great. I used it for a lot of time, like I think for six months as my main uh, IDE to 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 code, and it's just amazing. It's just super fast, super light, and really you can change the parameters in the settings with a JSON file, so it's just completely open. And mm-hmm. this project started. Uh, four years ago, five years ago, something when like Dreamweaver was kind of like losing a lot of ground in favor of Coda, Sublime no, Text, no. or these other more smaller, compact, and more like reliable code editor. So uh, a small team of mm-hmm. developers from Adobe decided to create this open source code editor. And Adobe said, okay, like, do whatever you want. We have uh, Dreamweaver, so you can do your free small project that no one is going to care. But then the internet went nuts with this project. Everyone loved brackets. And now after five years, they realized that more than uh, 300,000 users are using daily brackets. And they noticed that they're like more Uh users are using brackets instead of Dreamweaver. So what did they do? They say, okay, we're going to take back our group of developers and they're going to we're gonna integrate all the brackets functionalities inside Dreamweaver. Mm-hmm. And to do that, we're gonna basically stop the development of brackets. So mm-hmm. while before brackets was releasing a new version once every two months with a lot of patches and a lot of updates, now brackets is basically stuck at version 1.5 because Adobe wants to push forward their super crappy old Dreamweaver that I hate it. <laughs> I don't want to use no. it. And of course, it's it's is usual. So now we are looking a release update of an average of like six to nine months for brackets. <laughs> and that's so. So it goes. Fuck it. Well, I you know I I opened up Dreamweaver the other day, <laughs> and uh, I, I don't tend to use it. Period. Yeah. Um, yeah. Except for extreme circumstances if that's the only thing like the end of uh, the word it was an extreme circumstances to you probably uh that's, that's about extreme enough um <laughs> just so bloated the, the thing is just so bloated yeah. there's so many like tab groups and stuff and i used to work with someone who needed me to use dreamweaver okay let's say that um oh crap and now i mean no, I mean, my current job is wonderful. They're like, yeah, do whatever you... Yeah. Do whatever's best. Sure. Like, I love these guys so much. I love them. <laughs> they just are like, look, you, you know what you're doing? You know, just do what's best. Yes. Um, <laughs> but that... In previous... In some previous jobs, that was not the case. Mm-hmm. And I know some previous jobs require only Dreamweaver. Um, uh. For reasons. Um, <laughs> but I just remember it being so overloaded and bloated and just so clunky yes. and, and stuff. and. And, you know, if you know, the, the thing is, if you know code, you really 
don't need much other than a text editor. Exactly. Uh, you're. I mean, period. And that. Go, I mean, that goes for ASP. If you do ASP, if you do ASPX, if you do HTML, if you do. I mean, even Cold Fusion, mm-hmm. you know, or anything like that. You just basically just need a text editor to fix stuff. Yeah. And what most of these text editor applications are is just a text editor with extras. Yes, exactly. And that's why Sublime Text is so good yeah. um, because it's just a text editor with extras. Mm-hmm. And you can install the extras yourself and Coda as well. Yes. And it's just like, okay, it's they're kind of, that's why these, these two are so good. What I tend to use all pretty much all the time is Sublime Text. Yeah, it's great. And uh, yeah, and, and you know, I, I don't have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think both what Coda and Sublime Text have in common is that uh, they're text editors first. Yeah. And then programs second. Yeah. And I, and I think a lot of, uh, programs out there now, especially web development programs, or programs first, web, uh, text editor second. Yeah, and you know, um, there really isn't. I don't want to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I have to be careful. Um, <laughs> say it. <laughs> I would prefer to use something that is a text editor first, mm-hmm. and uh, a program second. Yes, and I think most of us would. Oh sure. Um, you know, it was kind of like that wonderful like light from the heavens whenever I found out that Sublime Text actually existed. Because <laughs> um, I was a bit late to the game because I was having to use some required um, programs. Yeah. And uh, But this is what I mean. We're talking like 2011. Yeah. And I'm like, text. I think of my, my, my first Sublime Text dip was in Sublime Text 2. So it was a ways, it was a bit of a ways back. Yeah. Um, but it was wonderful because I was like, I don't have extra crap everywhere. Yeah, exactly. There are no tab groups. This is wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just like, you know, like playing in a field with puppies everywhere. Yeah. It was just, it was fantastic. Um, so, yeah, no, I completely, I completely yeah, agree. I think it's, I don't know what Dreamweaver is going to look yeah. like now. It, <laughs> just, I mean, just as bad as usual, for sure. Yeah. Way to yeah. go, Adobe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, obviously, Adobe has some fantastic programmers there. I just, sure. I think there are some decisions that are not not the best. Um, okay, so the next thing that we have, unless you have anything to add, no, I'm just we have another... pissed. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it's just okay. Next, <laughs> um, let's see. Next thing is mm-hmm. a Medium article. Now, Medium has taken off, and there are some really nice things written uh, with Medium. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually wrote an article that you need to go check out. Uh, just look me up and yeah. look for the Medium article about being an excellent designer. Um, mm-hmm. I'm totally shamelessly plugging myself right now. But yeah. we're not talking about my stuff. We're talking about something <laughs> written by uh, Oh, I try to read his name. Know. It's uh, a Russian name. Let's it's, not he, butcher it. He's the Russian it. equivalent of Peter. Yeah, is it um, Pyotr Kotskorovsky, uh, yeah. maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Kutskarovsky, yes. Anyway, he's <laughs> Russian. He's a Russian dude. Yes. And he talks about color versus contrast. Mm-hmm. So go for it. I go for it. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, so uh, basically he focuses the attention of this article about what, which one of the color or contrast makes you click more the link of the buttons or whatever call to action you want to drive the user to click to. And there are all these, I don't know, like we study design. So have you ever had that uh, teacher that like tells you, uh, 
um, you should use the green because the green uh, appeals to emotion of like success and money or you should use the blue instead of red because the blue is more calm and quiet and relaxed instead of red is aggressive and all this kind of stuff but this this user basically saying that it's our old bullshit and we shouldn't care about this stuff wow. it's not related to our emotional status but it's mostly related yeah. and it's primarily related to how your the color that you pick for that button or the link uh, relates to the overall environment so the color palette of your website and it gives a, like a really streamlined example he has a website with the majority of the links and elements are green and if he puts the main uh, button as well as green uh, he saw that yeah user were clicking the button but if he changes the button to a red even if the red is really like aggressive it's really saturated he saw an increase in clicks by the 21 percent compared mm -hmm. to the green one even if the green is the kind of like logical right choice the red that is outside of the color palette and is really uh, it's it's in your face it just slaps you in the face mm -hmm. he saw an increase of clicks so the 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 overall is like create something that creates a nice contrast and pops out compared to the environment to do overall color palette of your website and mm -hmm. don't stick with the principles of design that a color should appeal to the emotional status or something like that yeah. so well, I think I, I don't know. I think the whole emotional color thing mm -hmm. that was briefly touched upon in uh, in my design class, but it was really more because the elements and principles of design don't actually talk about emotion, but they do talk about contrast. Yeah, and they talk about hierarchy, and that all of that works together. That color does work for hierarchy, and uh, the principle that he gave. Um, it's interesting because when he had everything green, those are. Those are considered passive colors. It's not exactly emotional, mm -hmm. but it, you know, cool colors tend to be more passive and actually don't have the type of con uh, conversion um, yes. that that active colors do, like the reds, yellows, mm -hmm. oranges, um, that kind of thing. Because we're used to we're used to that kind of stuff being a little more grading in our society, and um, I think you know, like the, he actually has two projects below that one yep. that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. One. And I, I would honestly dare say that the top version, mm -hmm. um, and we're going to have these links available sure. for people to click, right? Okay. Um, the top one is actually not following the elements and principles of design well, mm -hmm. um, because the buttons are the call to action is is blending. There's no contrast. Oh yes, it's blue and blue basically. It's another yeah. tradition of blue. It's would, just terrible. Yeah, I would be failed for doing something like this in college. This is. You know, I mean, it, it looks okay, like, you have the basics of it, but, man, there's just not, like, it, everything just turns into a wash. Yes. And, and it actually, the blue is too light. It is far too yeah. light. And uh, that text is too small. It, the text is really thin, mm -hmm. and it's just not working well. And uh, But the one below it, though, actually works well, oh, because yeah. it, it all ties together. Um, the dark, see, the, the darker the screen, the thinner your white text can be. Yes. Um but it, the lighter the screen, the thicker it has, because all of a sudden the balance changes. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and I think he's, I, cause I actually, you know, I agree. I, I'm seeing a lot of websites that are trying to, it's like they have a basic grasp of color theory, but not a very strong one. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. Because they're like, well, we wanted them all to be similar colors. Well, no, no, you really don't. Yes, exactly. Uh, if you want conversion, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, if you want a set piece, yeah. But if you want conversion, conversion is contrast, and conversion relies on those contrasting, you know, principles. Like to get a free trial, man. If I went to usability tools and I saw this this lack of contrast, yeah. I would just go, no, you just don't care enough. Yes, exactly. it just for something, and it's something weird that it does to your brain because um, our brains are actually for thousands and thousands of years, uh, our species has relied on high, on the elements and principles of design for survival. Yes, yes. And let me let me because this is actually kind. Of, this is not a throwback, but this is actually just a part of who we are. Yeah. Um, if you're hunting, mm-hmm. and you see a you see a contrast in movement a contrast in sound and a contrast in color all of a sudden you're because our brains are actually hardwired yeah. for the elements and principles of design yeah. and what design is is it's actually stuff that we're creating to work with our brain yes exactly so you know if you're a hunter out there and you're you're looking and all of a sudden you spot tracks well that's a that's a, a contrast mm-hmm. of the surrounding environment you're looking for something that's important because your brain says that's important look at that yes. pay attention to that <laughs> and don't die because that, yeah because yeah, it's survival it means food yeah. you know or it means your your survival from like a saber-toothed tiger yes exactly. and, uh, <laughs> and maybe a run know, but yeah or run yeah and uh but either way that's called it's a call to action yeah exactly that footprint could be a call to action yeah. and so all these thousands of years later we're living in our you know our nice comfortable houses mm-hmm. you know everything's okay um, we're still, we still move on those principles because those things are still hardwired into our brain. And mm-hmm. so anything with the elements and principles of design, we're making pretty things using the same hardwiring in our brain yeah. of how we view the world. And it does, it's not all survivalist, but you know, that's why like seeing patterns and things we have survived yeah. and we have become the dominant force on this planet because we see patterns Yes, exactly. I mean that's that. I mean that's that's what separates us from, you know, other predators. Mm-hmm. That makes that's what makes us the apex predator on the planet. Yeah. Um, because we can notice patterns. You know, um, really bad example is the blackfish blackfish uh, um, documentary yeah. where they studied the patterns of the orcas and then they were able to catch them. Mm-hmm. That's I think a misuse of our ability, mm-hmm. but it's it's still there. Yes. Like it's still there. We're still able to figure out what's important and what isn't. Mm-hmm. And that's why whenever you know back in, and I probably talked about this before. Back in the 1800s, you had one general store in the United States. You had maybe one general store per town. Yeah, towns were actually very small, mm-hmm. and they they were kind of like a TV set. You know, they were, all the buildings were together, and then it kind of branched out from that. And the reason that, you know, so if you went to a general store, you would only have like one type of, of soap. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, and so, or you would have one type of, of anything, you know. And so what these companies used to do in the 1800s is they would decorate the packaging. Yeah. And the more decorated your packaging, the more important uh, your soap product yeah, held. Sure. Because that, that was a contrast mm-hmm. to... Uh, like the the soap that they would make with animal fat, yeah, sure, and and the wax they would make and that kind of thing, but now that we have fifty types of soap mm-hmm. and one market aisle, everything is fighting for your attention, and we have we actually make these decisions in less than half a second. Yes, it's actually a few milliseconds. Yes, um, by the time the information reaches our brain, our brain is already processing what we should and should not look at. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is lightning fast. It is the speed of thought, and so. 
we're, I mean, we're talking, you know, we're, we're talking milliseconds. So you, whenever you design, and that's one thing they taught us is that we have to design something that is going to catch someone's attention and register in their brain in a form of hierarchy that's going to make their brain say, this is important. I should pay attention yeah. to this. And, and that's where we are now because we don't have to do the whole general store thing of making people uh, think that our stuff is important. And so if you have enormous patterns, right, because our body is like our, our brain looks at those aisles mm-hmm. and they're, they just kind of register as patterns yeah. because it's all the same clumps of project yeah. of products. Um, that's why logos have in all brands have kind of distilled down to like one mark. Yes. Like one logo, mm-hmm. you know, cause each one of them is now trying to, because in, in terms of big patterns, something that's unusual enough will catch our attention, Yeah, you know, within that pattern. Yeah. And so if all the, if everything looks the same and all of a sudden tide comes out with like a baby's head exploding, it's going to catch <laughs> yeah, our attention. Yeah, yeah. Because, totally buy that. So not actually, not actually exploding, <laughs> okay. but you know, yeah, no, absolutely. It's like that. It's you know when you're walking through the 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 hot sauce section, yeah, and like everything's trying to grab your attention. And then you have like those. Well, I can't remember what it was called, but it was a hot sauce with a dude's face on it, like he was in agony. <laughs> and it was like this. It was it was a brilliant marketing That's plan. Great. I guess not that brilliant because yeah. I can't remember the name. Yes. But, uh, but you was, remember you the know, picture, and if you probably I, yeah. you go back in the store, you're gonna search for that picture. So it's something exactly. that sticks in your mind. Yeah, and it's not an illustration yeah. of tamales or hot peppers it's or like, cayenne it's some dude's has. face that looks like he just yeah. ingested like lava you know <laughs> and, and that was that was good mm-hmm. that got my attention that you know and um but uh, anyway yeah but yeah i got way too i i, I got design school on me. i'm sorry <laughs> it's okay uh, but i i agree i kind of agree with him you know yeah I no think. totally it's something that we we know and uh it's mostly, I think this article is mostly for beginner designers and for yeah. a designer that follows the indication of a client. That most of the time the client said, oh, my brand color is blue. I want everything blue. Also, my buttons <laughs> should be blue. And that's like, uh, no, that's not how it works. So. everything. Yeah, make all the buttons blue. All of them, same color. Make everything the same color. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've never had someone do that, but I've heard stories. Yes. Um, <laughs> or nightmares. So... So the, this Peter guy, I just saw that he likes UX, chill wave music, and pizza. I like this guy. Yes. I just saw this. We can be friends now. Yes. Uh, we're going <laughs> to stalk him. <laughs> I'm totally going to stalk yeah, him. Yeah. You're like, yeah. No. <laughs> I'm not going to stalk him. Um, okay. So hey, we, got some, we got some good stuff yes. this week. Um, yeah. So tell us about this old versus new graphic. Uh, I don't know. It's it it it's a it's a funny thing. It's not like really related to something that we should learn or we should study. But it's funny that they created this infographic to analyze which kind of tool we were used to use. Uh, and I don't know, like the age comparison, like kind of before the internet, to do design. To do mostly was like uh, like print design, but also graphic design before the internet era, and. It's interesting because a lot of things that are listed as old stuff are still used today or the same thing, like, for example, rulers, guides and like uh, points and stuff are used exactly the same, but in a digital way. So they've been converted from a material word to a digital word. And it's mm-hmm. it's kind of it's kind of interesting, especially in the design process, color scheme. 
also in my in my agency we still use uh, markers and pencil and mm -hmm. we do paper prototyping something that now we have all these amazing tools and we shouldn't use paper but instead like we keep using it so yes we had an mm -hmm. evolution but uh we still rely a lot on tactile things like something that you can touch something that you can feel and you can manipulate yeah. and um I, you know, I still use sketchbooks. I still have sketchbooks oh, yeah. right beside me. Um, oh god, I don't have any more yeah, space I, <laughs> for sketchbooks. Yeah, I've got I got piles of them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, there's some stuff that just works better. Mm -hmm. But we still, I mean, I, you know, I still use a traditional camera when I need to. Mm -hmm. um, not always, but sometimes it's better. Sometimes a digital camera is better. Yeah. Um, eh, illustration. You know, when I was in college, I used the uh, the Micron pins mm -hmm. nice. uh, to build the eye charts and to build my logos and stuff like that. We did it traditional. Nice. Um, yeah, it was nice, but I cried a lot because like yeah, sure. you'd get like a point taken off if you had like one mark on your paper. Yeah. Um, and he went down from we started. He started with a with a hundred point system, and then our second year, he was a ten. We used a ten point system. Mm -hmm. Uh, which means if you got one mark off, that was a grade and, uh, like one tiny mark, yeah. like he would look at it with a magnifying glass. Yeah. And then my senior year, it was like a five point system mm -hmm. and I have shed many blood. I have had blood, sweat and tears, uh, with that, with that project. Yeah, so fun time. <laughs> I, uh, I still have all my microns. I still use microns for inking and sketching and stuff, but, um, you know, it's, I feel like in some way making someone do it the old way mm -hmm. and at least for a little bit gives them the appreciation and the foundation to be able to do like a digital version yeah uh like back in 2000 i was in photography mm -hmm. you know i did photography did state competitions like that kind of thing yeah um i taught a photography class to other high schoolers um you know but now everything is digital i don't i, I think i have my camera somewhere back in a, mm -hmm. a box somewhere but nice Film is expensive. Oh, <laughs> yeah, very expensive. <laughs> Especially if you want to be nice and get it on slide film. Like, no, no or never gonna just, happen. Yeah, because like super saturated slide film is fantastic, but also there's a super saturation yeah. uh, thing on Instagram. So you know, there's <laughs> both of those. So, um, but yeah, you know, it's. I think we still use a little bit of the old stuff, mm -hmm. but um, it was interesting though. On this thing, on this thing. Uh, you know the top ten most loved fonts. Yeah. Uh, tell me if you agree with this. This this was very interesting. Uh, Helvetica, Futura, <laughs> Garamond, Trajan, Myriad, Verdana, Franklin Gothic, Times New Roman, Gil Sands, and Bodini. Yeah. Or I'm pretty sure that's Bodini. I think they got that wrong. I don't know. Well, Helvetica is. <sighs> Let's remember that since this year, both Microsoft. And Apple, and also, well, Google, but Google switched before them, they still use Elvetica in their operating system. And Elvetica was invented when? In like 1800 or something? Yeah. <laughs> it's like all this font well, list is freaking old. And Garamond was, Garamond was, let me see, uh, Garamond was is at least 200 years old yeah, it's like it was the whole point of that is 
it was a printing press type. Yeah, uh, that's where it came from. Was the printing press, and it, I think it should stay around forever. No, um, da, 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 da. yeah, it was named after the um, punch cutter Claude Garamont in the 16th century. Oh God! <laughs> so we're talking. Let's see. Um, the first uh, type designed by Claude Garamont was the uh, edition of Erasmus book. Uh, Paraphrasis in Egalitarium, Egalitarium. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Libros, mm-hmm. Laurenti Valet, uh, which I I am so rusty on my Latin. I'm sorry, guys. That's okay. Um, <laughs> in 1530, so it's actually much. Older oh than my god, it's like six, almost 600 yeah. years old. But it's amazing. That's I think that's wonderful that Garamond is, you know, 600 years old and it's still as yeah. relevant as it was, yeah. you know, back in the day. Um, but myriad, myriad can go away. Trajan can go away too because both of those tend to be used. Yeah. Uh, and also, they did get it wrong. It's Bodoni. I knew it was Bodoni. I remember because I remember yeah. Massimo Vignelli saying Bodoni. Yes, yeah, Bodoni. And his Bodoni. very yeah. thick. Yeah, he, he had a very like super thick Italian accent that I could barely understand him. Like and it like was like me? a Bodoni. No, far thicker. You have a. You're fine. I can. Uh, you're good. I can speak with his Italian accent. I can say Bodoni. <laughs> there you go. Just like that. He, he would say it just like that. Exactly. Um, you know, but the way he would say it was very. Uh, he had a very melodic way of yeah. speaking. Um, nice. But I will always remember Bodoni. Um, they got it wrong, but uh, you know. Uh, so keep keep going. I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. No, it, uh, it's it's interesting that we're using like fonts that are 500 years old in yeah. uh, as in a digital world. Like right now, in mm-hmm. 2015, we use it as an operating system font. And yeah. we, which are the font that we hate the most? That the most recent one, the Comic Sans, that is just crap. Copperla yeah. and Papyrus. That it, who <laughs> Jesus, who's using Papyrus other than? my mom when she creates an invite <laughs> for her uh, uh i don't know pottery class or something like that. <laughs> well, i have to say i think myriad and trajan should go under the most hated fonts yes. because i don't really know anyone who loves it uh myriad was okay mm-hmm. it's actually an okay font as a font problem is everyone uses it because it's an adobe uh it's an Adobe default font. Yeah, it's yeah. the one that opens up. It's the font that Adobe opens up to whenever you open. Yeah, it. exactly. Myriad and everyone Pro. just is lazy and is like, "Oh, let's do Myriad." It looks like an Helvetica. So yeah, Verdana's not very well loved either. Oh. Um, but it, Times New Roman. The only reason Times New Roman is up there is because it's on every Microsoft application. Yes. When you want to write a book and pretend to be smart, you use Times New yes. Roman. Exactly. And Comic <laughs> Sans, you know, Comic Sans I agree with and uh Copperplate, I kind of like Copperplate. That's my like guilty pleasure. Oh. I, I I actually talked to my old des- when when I was talking to my old design teacher when I was in college. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, Copperplate doesn't actually look like a bad font. He said, "Well, it's just used so much and so poorly yes. that people just don't like it." Yes. And he said, "It's not a bad font." Mm-hmm. Um, he said, but it's not the best. And a lot of people default to that because they think it looks nice. Yes. And, you know, as opposed to Comic Sans, which is just gross. Yeah. And I feel bad for the guy who made Comic Sans because he still defends it to this day, <sighs> saying that Comic Sans is great. And I'm like, no, dude, really, no. Please no. stop. <laughs> so, and it, you know, brush script. Uh, they also forgot curls. Curls is one of the most hated Let's fonts as well. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> That's okay. Curls is nasty. It. It's just terrible. <laughs> like, 
like my friend Mary Schamberger sometimes I would send her a logo and say, what do you think about this? She's like, it needs to be in curls. Nah. I'm like, shut up. I hate you. <laughs> so, like, look, and then she'll send me something and be like, yeah, it's not in papyrus. She's like, shut up. I hate you. It's so, you know, we, just, we, we mess with each other all the time. Yes. And, um, but yeah, papyrus, man. I, you, you, What's wrong with this font? What's wrong with the people who created this font? Like, let's create a really know. crappy font. Yeah. Well, you, mm. <laughs> no, I don't know. That's not like true I've, to find like, a I've logic explanation. My first, my first exposure to papyrus was uh, in a in a small youth group, basically. Um, <laughs> when you got, I thought it was edgy <laughs> at sixteen. When you got um, abused by uh, a weird no. font, no, <laughs> I got abused. The font jumped off of the <laughs> off of the billboard. Papyrus and beat me is up. a rapist. Was that no? Sorry. Uh, so I don't know. I think papyrus is interesting. It's just not there. I think it's a font that like got halfway to something good because <laughs> like anybody, anybody who has like graphic design training, like you actually kind of have to build letters Yeah, and you have to build a letter face and you have to, you know, you don't actually have to build a font, mm-hmm. but you should, you have to learn how it works and actually build it yourself and draw it yourself. Yeah. And I had to do it with pins. I had to use micron pins, grid out a system yeah. myself uh, with a ruler yeah. and then create a type, uh, uh, like uh, typeface letters. Yeah. And, um, and it had to be exact. Yeah, the sure. curve had to be exact, all of that. So, um, coming from that background, you know, I look at papyrus and I think somebody started off well mm-hmm. and it looks like they could have done something interesting, but they just stopped. Yeah. And then they, it looks they, half done. they put and a they, texture on top to simulate the, then they put a texture. Yeah. On top, yes. Corrosive effect of the, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because totally Egyptians totally wrote in papyrus. Oh sure, yes. So, but in courier, ugh, just ignore courier. Courier is just like I, I have nothing good to say about courier. <laughs> Let's not say anything. I do not enjoy it. That's it. Um, like courier is what I use. Like if I, I don't know. <laughs> if you, if I was like, if you hate your life and you wanna just yeah. No, it's interesting with illustration. Uh, I think they're a little off uh, with the illustration part because they were talking about you know how the drawing tablet, the Wacom, and the pen, yeah, um, replacing are the replacing the fine liner, but that's not true. Um, most yeah. illustrators that I know, yeah, actually the both we know, um, one in particular, uh, Ursula Dorada, yeah. um, which I think we both follow. She's wonderful. She's from Brazil. Yeah, um, she does digital. Yeah, but she also sends you know shows pictures on Twitter of line drawings using um i cannot remember the type of pen that mm-hmm. she uses uh it's very nice though um very very um high quality pens mm-hmm. and she does an amazing job but she can easily switch between uh print and digital yes and um and i think both of them have their place because once you get into illustration then you get into like the actual you get into a whole nother thing that's not design anymore illustrations its own its own thing and so we all use pencils. We all use. I don't. I don't use dip pens, but mm-hmm. I know Sula, I know Ursula does. Um, we. I've used etching tools and lino cut tools, but that's for making. That's for making prints. Yes, exactly. Like that's for like printing it out. You like getting it like going into a printmaking shop and getting rice paper. Yes. And like <laughs> you know doing an actual print. The good like, old rice that. paper. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's I've done that before. That that's printmaking. That's not illustration. Yes. That, I think they don't. I don't yeah, know that's kind of weird. They I think they just listed all the old tools related to a graphic yeah. something. Yeah, 
Well, in, in presentation, you know, the spray mounts. Oh God, I I probably have somewhere spray like mounts. I don't know. I've gained powers for the amount of spray mount I've been exposed to. Um, <laughs> or just a school. Like I got so high on spray mount, and not on purpose. Like it, it's not a purpose. You just yeah, you spray just, stuff yeah, over and over. You just again. breathe it, and it's just smell yeah. it and you go you get high it's yeah it's great and i mean i would just run outside like i would run outside spray mount stuff and then come inside and then put my and set my stuff my god and then go outside spray mount put some stuff but like you're supposed to do it enough and it's like there was a time Woo! in the art school where i don't know why the teacher spread this rumor that it was totally fake that if you put spray mount on top of your pencil sketch it will like kind of fix your pencil sketch and it turns into like a translucent effect. So there was like this month where we spent pretty much all our money in spray mount and spraying all our sketches and they were no. untouchable after that. And then we put all oh, the sketches no. in a pile and this pile got so sticky that basically we, we, we threw away months of sketches. <laughs> It was horrible. Like, it what was is wrong just, with people. That's there. evil. <laughs> it was there, and the school was permitted with this like cloud of spray mount, yeah. and no one could breathe. And it was just yeah. great. People knew in my school whenever that, that it was that time of the semester when kids were spray mounting their stuff, because yes. we come outside and spray mount, but it would just like turn into this like vaporous yes, like just... thing. It's like the print make like outside of the printmaking studio, mm -hmm. like you could just smell it, yes. you know, and it just starts like wafting mm -hmm. out. <laughs> it's, it's, there's nothing you can do about it. And then also besting, we were also there was a beautiful smell of besting in the room as well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Nice time. Got a, yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, this this will really hurt you. Don't, <laughs> don't breathe it in. We're like, okay, thank you. But use it anyway. Um, yeah. And so, uh, okay. So the next thing uh -huh. is, uh, unless you have anything else. No, um, I'm good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's another link you found. This is awesome. Yeah. This is from the Nielsen Norman Group. Mm -hmm. And uh, ngroup.com. And uh, it talks about which comes first, layout or content. Mm -hmm. So let us. Uh, so tell us what this is about. Uh, it's a. It's kind of a long article. I don't even understand why it's that long. Like it should be kind of obvious. But uh, of course, like in the process of designing, uh, we don't have the magical unicorn of the client that gives us all the content at the beginning. And say mm -hmm. this is my content. You can create a design around my content. Every time we have the mm -hmm. content, is most of the time at the end. Of the design and of course the content is just mm -hmm. horrible and destroys completely our layout so this article analyzes how you should properly uh, design a layout that is suitable for every type of content and how you should not tie your layout to a specific amount of content because as soon as a user puts his hand on the cms or the back end and start like writing his own shit is gonna destroy yeah. completely whatever you did so yeah we should follow some specific rules like creating a flexible layout or if you can you should try to put content as soon as possible even if it's lorem ipsum in at least just put real mm -hmm. content that occupies some space and gives you kind of like the idea what what could be and what's gonna be and just like plan everything to be as scalable as possible 
and just smash the client's head as much as possible to give content as soon as possible. Something like that. Um, well, right. I, I've actually, in the le- recent years, made it a, a requirement to just sit down and talk to someone. Sometimes it, all that it takes is you sitting down and talking to someone and saying, what do you want to see? What website would you like? Yes. What kind of... Because once you once you determine the type of content, it's actually, you know, once you do it long enough, you can actually kind of gauge what type of con, what kind of website you actually need to make. Yes. Um, depending on the content. So mm-hmm. and obviously it's a given depending on the client. So yep. let's say you have someone who owns a trucking business. Mm-hmm. And let's say, let's say actually two, two versions. One is a trucking business and they just need an online presence. I can say this because I'm not working on a trucking anything right now. Yeah. So um, they just want an online presence. They really don't care about much else. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just want something to just hit Google search yes. engines with their name. And so it's actually that's actually a very easy project. Mm-hmm. Um, and you say, then, you know, my next question will be, okay, what type of content? Do you just want an About Us page? Do you want directions to your offices? Yeah. Do you want an employment application on there? You know, like basic stuff, like thinking thinking the way that they would think, uh, you know, or, or the needs specific to what they would want. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm actually, I actually find that just giving them random suggestions, even if it's a dumb random suggestion, yes. it gets them thinking. Yeah. Because sometimes I will specifically ask something that I know they'll reject as long as it just gets them to think. Mm-hmm. You know, like sometimes, you know, like if that's a trucking company that I I don't have a trucking company that I yeah I've ever done work for. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm talking to these people, I'll say, well, do you want pictures of your trucks on there? You yeah. know, it's kind of a dumb question, but I basically got their mind start, you know, mind working in that yeah, sure. in that area and. You know, if they say, of course, we want pictures of our truck. What are you thinking? <sighs> oh, but let's get pictures of our office staff in there, too. Yes. See, all of a sudden their brain starts firing and they start sitting there going, OK, now I really because what it's doing is it's kind of spurring them and encouraging them to think about their website in terms of content, mm-hmm. because sometimes clients don't know what content they want on there. They just know they need a website. Um, and hopefully either if you work in a firm, you have someone who can kind of counter that type of attitude. Yeah. Or that type of, of, of non-activity, I guess, on the part of the clients. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're dealing with them directly, it's always good to just keep asking questions. Even if they're dumb, even if you know they're going to get upset yes. sometimes. And not offended, but just like, oh, of course we want this. you know. Um, as long as, it, even if they get upset, as long as they just start thinking about it, mm-hmm. that's a win. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, and it's going to be less of a headache later mm-hmm. when they decide that they do want staff pictures. Exactly. To be jammed into a, uh, yeah. you know, like a gallery of staff. Like, mm-hmm. can you can you add a slideshow? Can you add a slideshow <laughs> gallery on the About Us page? Why would you do that? <laughs> so, you know, because if you start, the earlier you talk to them before you do anything. Yes, absolutely. The easier it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So The really important thing that you said at the beginning is like, it depends pretty much everything about from the, 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 the type of project. If you know the type of price, something that is missing in this article, like is really, this article is really focused on the container fist approach or the type of content and the type of layout that you should apply, but it misses the aspect, the most important thing, like what kind of product you're going to build, like who's your client and what they want. 
So yeah. even if they don't know the exact type of content, you should consider what what are you going to build? Because if you're building a website for a medical structure, you're building a website for a kid's playground or a mm -hmm. restaurant, you already having this simple information, you already know pretty much how it's going to be. And you can kind of figure it out what kind of content is going to be inside those containers and that layout mm -hmm. without mm -hmm. knowing the actual content. So the most, the basic important thing is knowing what you're building, what's your final goal, what's the website or the layout or the the product that you're releasing. I think some of this, yeah, I mean, obviously we're both surprised by the stuff we see, but um, I think as long, if you're doing it enough, like I, I don't know, I graduated in, 2007 mm -hmm. and uh, so i've been doing this now uh for like eight years yeah and I i've done enough to just kind of know yeah. what i'm getting into yeah and you know and you'll also know with the client um sometimes you will not have to ask those questions yes uh there have been clients that i've had in the past who have always provided everything and i've never had to ask questions uh but then there are those who um may not have uh, maybe enough experience mm -hmm. and maybe they need some guidance. Maybe they need some encouragement. Maybe they need to kind of figure out the process. And sometimes they'll come to you and say, um, you know, I don't know much about this, but I'm willing to learn. And you kind of go through the process together mm -hmm. and you just, you, you can kind of gauge it after a while to kind of see, and not that this person, not to see whether or not a client is going to be a problem, although that is important. Um, but to see how much work is, is going to be needed in the communication process. Um, and then you can gauge how much time you need to put in uh, to that communication process. Because, because to be honest, no matter the client's communication process, your your goal is to have a good product at yes, the end of the day. Yes, absolutely. It doesn't matter if they're the best client in the world or the worst client in the world. Yes. <laughs> As a professional, we have to get the best website out that we can Yes. with the constraints that we have. And so... Um, that, you know, and, and so most designers who have lasted this long, like you and I, yes. uh, we know that there, there are things you can look for and ways you can kind of speed up the process and, yeah, and totally. trying, you know, try to, uh, make everything as streamlined. Basically at this point, it's just streamlining. Yeah. Stuff. You can, and you can ask those small, like the few annoying questions that will put you on the right track and you don't exactly. need to like do hours and hours of research for content so exactly well and i and i want to just i just in case somebody misunderstands mm -hmm. you know asking the annoying questions are not asking questions that will offend your client oh yeah Don't totally it's not like uh, I, but for for new anybody who's new do not offend your client it does not matter what their attitude is <laughs> it doesn't matter if they're the nicest and sweetest person on the planet it doesn't matter if they're the worst it doesn't matter if they call you hitler yes it doesn't matter mm -hmm. just be a professional yes and ask you know and asking the annoying questions and i want to be very specific is sometimes asking questions along the lines of what you need to accomplish the website. Mm -hmm. And so if I, this, for instance, that trucking company, I know we're going to have pictures of the, of the trucks, Yeah. but I also wonder if they want their faces on the website yeah. or if they want pictures of the warehouse, yes. if they want pictures of the mechanics, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, you don't have to necessarily ask that in a way that, that makes you seem stupid. Um, but you can ask them, you know, uh, you know, do you want pictures of your trucks? Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, I, I know you might want, um, 
Have you thought about any other pictures? And you're just being very polite and you're politely asking them if they, you know, want more content. And sometimes they'll say, oh, I didn't even think about that. That's wonderful. Yeah, we'll take some pictures and send them over. Um, you know, and sometimes they'll say, uh, we'd really prefer to keep our privacy. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, we prefer just to have photos of our trucks so people can recognize it. Both of those are completely acceptable. And one thing that designers should never be is pushy. Yes. So, totally. I mean, now, I mean, you can kind of say, you can tell someone that if something is wrong mm-hmm. and say, this is going to wreck your website. This is horrible. This, this is going to ruin SEO. Yeah. You know, it, but and you can say it in a professional manner, but yeah, sure. you know, if, if sometimes they just don't know. And so I have come across so many people who have been so hesitant to deal with designers mm-hmm. because they will j- legitimately not understand SEO yes. and SEO. I mean, dude, we both do SEO mm-hmm. and it's, it's still sometimes I don't understand it, and I don't understand well, why changes, we're having it to, changes every day. So it's right, kind of like, and you know, it's, it's just depending on yeah, it depends on you know a certain company's mm-hmm. way of processing yeah. things, and so you know sometimes you know people don't understand SEO and they uh, have dealt with a designer in the past who has gouged them for money, yes, and have t- and has taken advantage of them mm-hmm. um, because of that or taken advantage of them because of the type of company that they are yes. or has um, been rude to them if they've had legitimate questions. I mean, because you do have to think about this, especially for new designers, you have to think about this from the perspective of the owner because if the owner is going to shell out several thousand dollars for a website, mm-hmm. they need to know what's happening and they need updates and yeah. they need processes and they don't need to be talked down to whenever they have legitimate questions. Because it's not – see, the thing is it's not their job to understand SEO. Yes. They're running a company. They don't need to worry about that. Yes. We need to worry about that. And we need to worry about explaining to them in simple terms what SEO is and not to talk down to them, not to make them sound like – you know, look, not – I. You know, if you've, if you've made your client feel like they're five years old, you failed. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> just yes. being very, very cut and dry here. Um, yeah. This is a business and this is the business world. And if, but if you can explain something to them to make them understand it, um, then that's really like explaining how a website's built. I actually explained what building a website as, um, the framework is the frame of the house (laughs) and then creating the content is filling the rooms. And whenever we do the design, it's painting the walls, putting on the, you know, putting on the walls, putting on the paint and painting the shutters, figuring out what kind of windows we want, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's not derogatory. That's exactly how it works. Yeah. And and so then they say, Oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. And and it's not derogatory. It's not making them feel like they're five years old. It is the best analogy to building a website. Yeah. And so sometimes, you know, if you're in a process and they say, I don't exactly know what we're doing now, I'll just say, hey, we're building the frame of the house. That's what we're doing. We're trying to figure out how many rooms the house needs. And uh and then it's just much easier to do that and just be speak plainly speak plainly oh, to yeah. your clients <laughs> do not treat them like they're stupid just talk to them like adults <laughs> yeah. and that will be reciprocated and if it's a bad client then you'll get it from another client because mm-hmm. karma is real oh, i'm sorry i just went on a rant but i just it's okay <laughs> i've had to deal with so many potential like people over the years yeah. And, and companies who are just like, man, I was just treated like garbage by my, that previous. Oh yeah, designer. it happens all the time. I know. And, and I know we like to. I know we like to talk about how how much we're put upon. 
yeah, by no, people. Like but, a, you know, yeah, the core uh, <laughs> is like you, you have to empower your client and you, yeah. you have to help him to understand and feel smart and not feel exactly. stupid or frustrated because he doesn't understand what we're doing and he's just wasting money. So, and it's good because you're going to have good content for your design. So it's perfect. It's, uh, it's basically what you're doing is you're communicating in a way that helps them understand it, it gives them the feeling that they're not wasting money mm-hmm. on you, yeah. which is the worst thing. Thing. Now, some clients will always, some people will do that. Yeah, some, some people, people will always say, douche. "I'm wasting too yeah. much money on this," but, but it's not legit. They're not for yeah, a legitimate yeah. reason. It's an agreed upon reason on the contract. Yeah, and they're still mad. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm talking about a good client. Everything's going well, and all of a sudden they start feeling like they're wasting yeah. money. Mm-hmm. That's dangerous. You are in the danger zone, Kenny yes. Loggins, and you need to get out of that fast. And so, if you need to double time it and give them a discount then do it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like do whatever is, you know, if they start feeling like they're losing money on you, they're not going to stay around. Yes. And, um, and if they start le- like legitimately, like if there's a problem with like a database you're building and they're like, well, do I, am I going to have to pay for all of this? You know, and they get, because it's going to run them like, you know, a hundred, $200 over budget, um, which for some people is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, docking them that eating that time can sometimes not only really help you, with a client, but help you with future clients too. Yeah, sure. Um, Because it was an unforeseen, like with stuff with unforeseen issues with building a website, uh, sometimes eating the time is the best thing you can do to maintain good relationship with a client. Mm -hmm. So um, anyway, sorry. (laughs) I really got off on that one. Interesting. I guess it's something that I've seen over the years. Yeah, sure. Because it's not that the client, the customer is always right. It's just, just having a good relationship with people is important so okay but i'm gonna let you rant on this uh-huh. uh, this next one fuse tools yes so explain fuse tools to us uh it's something useless that is gonna fail that's <laughs> the explanation <laughs> no i don't uh, it's an amazing project it's really great like i saw it i tested it it's an open beta so you can download it and test it it's really mind-blowing what you can do basically it's a tool for uh app designers and app developers where you can code whatever app you're doing you can import your design from sketch photoshop you code what you're doing you deploy live your code to your smartphone without passing through all the bullshit of like ios developer license or android uh, eclipse to deploy on your phone blah 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 you just deploy within fuse and whatever editing you do on your computer on your source code automatically is uh the update is deployed through the cloud to the app on your phone so mm-hmm. you change the padding automatically changes the padding you swap the color scheme automatically swap the color scheme so you see in real time what you're coding on your phone and you don't have to guess weird stuff or you don't have to compile the code in Xcode or deploy to your smartphone through a USB. It's like, it's really handy. It's really great. Where it fails miserably though is like these amazing and super smart developers that created this tool, they decided to create a new markup, a new code language from scratch. And that it's a totally, like, it doesn't recall any previous language. Like, if you see, it looks like a extended version of 
XML. And you remember XML like 10 years ago was the future. It was like, oh, XML is great. You can write databases with XML and you can connect all the application with XML. You can extend HTML. Where is XML right now? It's that. It's just used for sitemaps. It's like a hidden file in your uh, website that recall an XML sitemap of your website and that's it for SEO purposes. That's it. Mm -hmm. XML is just horrible. It's not used anymore. And so except for iTunes. Except for <laughs> iTunes, you have to in fact how convoluted is to create a fucking XML podcast for iTunes. It's just terrible. Yeah. So that's what And it has to be the way that iTunes yeah. wants it. It's not there's it's not just making an XML file. Yeah, no, it has to conform to their very convoluted standards. Yeah. yeah. And that's in my opinion what's going to happen to this tool. It's great everyone is going to use it, is going to try it because it's really groundbreaking, the logic and the idea behind this tool. But then first, who's willing to spend time in learning a new coding language just for one product? Yeah. And second, which company or like which boss is willing to pay you or which client is willing to pay you for a product that if these guys from Fuse decide to cancel the product, you cannot uh -huh. use anymore anything uh -huh. you did. Like if you code in AngularJS and AngularJS gets shut down, you can still use AngularJS in the entire internet ecosystem. Mm -hmm. If Fuse gets shut down, the source code of Fuse that it's, I don't even remember the name, but this code is gonna be useless, totally useless because it's not compatible with anything else other than fuse so mm -hmm. huge well, fail and <laughs> the weird it, it actually reads a bit like uh java uh, um jquery um but really oddly um and javascript yeah they have two um two codes that is the front facing code that is kind of like the xml html mashup and then they, they have, have this uh, javascript code to call no. databases and handle like updates of the dom no so there are <laughs> no. two different type of codes and no they call no. oh they call it ux markup that's the, no. the name of this new coding language. UX marker. <laughs> Kill it with fire. <laughs> no, I am not going to learn. Oh, my gosh, no. Because, you know, we were talking about this earlier. As a developer, you get to the point where I, I think some developers do not understand that um, what they're creating is not useful sometimes. Yes, yes. Uh, they think of this new thing. Um, and we actually see this quite often as mm -hmm. developers where somebody comes up with this new idea. It's a novel idea. Yeah. It's very interesting. But it is completely unusable because it is incompatible with anything currently existing. Yes. And then they show these like picture these videos. I mean this this video on the site. Um, they show these videos of, you know, people working in the Pacific Northwest mm -hmm. where you are uh, <laughs> in these giant glass walls. Yes. Uh, everything is great. Yeah, everything's great out there and it's giant glass walled firms <laughs> and they're all like they've got like token people everywhere yeah. like You've got your token, you know, guy with glasses, your token hipster, uh -huh. you know, um, your token uh, white dude with like really, you know, like who looks really businessy and the guy who looks like he just walked off of the street after a hipster parade and like working side by side and there's unity, quote unquote, and like, you know, coffee pictures yes. and stuff like that. And it's all just very basic generic stock photography and stock videos. Yeah. 
um, trying to push this this idea, and then they've got like your your CEO, or and it's actually becoming really old now. Yeah. You know, they've got someone from the spokesperson who either has a tattoo, yes. or a beard, or a man bun, or something to tell us how revolutionary this code is. Yes. The whole thing tanks the next year, and none of us remembers it. Yes. And it's it's getting old. The startup thing is is starting to yeah. because so many startups have failed with that kind of stuff. Um, when we begin, you know, as developers, when we, we're actually more hesitant to adopt something new, yeah, because especially something as closed off as is that UX, those two UX codes, yeah, exactly. Um, because um, you know, if you have a diversified um, business, yeah, in any sense of the term, you need to learn what has been around, mm-hmm. what is currently being updated. We know HTML will be around forever. Yeah, we know JavaScript is going to be around whether we like it or not. Yeah. Uh, jQuery is going to be around. CSS, XML is going to be around, even though we don't like it. <laughs> JSON is going to be around. You know, the, you know, we we know that we're investing in yeah. something that will yield a reward. But when when, so, when you present something like a closed off system, mm-hmm. like that's why people were like, "Oh God, Swift." Yes. <laughs> you know, because uh, uh, again, <laughs> yeah, because what if Swift goes away in a year and somebody's spent like fifty hours learning it? Yes, exactly, it's exactly. Completely we are useless. we are super careful also with open source program, like especially like generic question: Do we freaking need another coding language? Yeah. Do no. we need? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. We need to fix the coding languages. We yeah. Have now we don't need new ones. Exactly. You know, it's like, yeah. That's my thought, and I'm probably getting a little curmudgeon no, about it. But I'm I getting agree. really sick of this new stuff yes. because we can't even fix jQuery. We've got problems with jQuery and HTML, mm-hmm. and like I'm on the I'm I'm connected and signed up for the W3 boards, yeah. um, trying to work on HTML5, yeah. and like people are constantly working on it, trying to improve yeah. it. We cannot a, we cannot even style yeah we cannot even style an input file properly like a checkbox or a select box after treating it like a table after <laughs> 20 years of html yeah. Yeah. and uh, let's create something new from scratch that yeah. it's a closed environment it's not even open source so it cannot be right. used by anything else or extended by anything else yeah. other than these 10 cool dudes that they work in this glass environment well and my thing is you know if I'm looking at a new quote unquote new web thing, yeah. I would rather spend my time if I uh, to learn SAS and less, yeah. which are extensions and compilers of CSS. Yes. Which it, because here's the thing: if SAS and less go away in 20 years, mm-hmm. I still know CSS. Yes. And I can still say, and it still helps me to have known and have worked with SAS and less. Yes. It does not help me in 20 years to learn two new codes that will never be picked up again. Yes. And most developers, you know, think kind of think the way we do of, you know, my time is limited. Yes. My because the thing is we learn this at home. You know, we, we don't we don't get unlimited amounts of time to learn uh, code at yes. work. You yes. know, we can. Some jobs are really good about that. Yeah. I mean my job's good about that. That you know they want training. Um but that doesn't mean I can train all day every day. Yes. And and none of us can. And so we actually have to go home and while we're watching television or while we're doing something else, yeah, no, you know, exactly. we actually have to take time out of our lives to do it. And so we really have to become picky about what we do and do not learn. Yeah. And in some ways, I mean, that's why learning SAS and again, it's like the, uh, 
our survival technique. What yes, is most exactly. what is most important? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. It's like it, it's a it's an amazing idea, but it's achievable with a way better tools in the background. Like why you have to create a custom language that no one knows except those ten people that are working to this product. And there's like uh, there's something similar called Onsen UI. Onsen UI is a framework library of uh, um, elements for app design and app development. And even if it's a new frame, a kind of a new framework with new coding language, everything is based on Angular JS and mm-hmm. JavaScript. So mm-hmm. even if you don't know anything about Onsen US, you can download it and use JavaScript to code your app. And that's amazing because you can use your own coding language, but you can roll back down to JavaScript or AngularJS and it's going to work. And it's great. These guys mm-hmm. created this framework, this new coding language UX markup that it's going to... it. The, it's going to be the main reason of the failure of their product. Yeah. And I think I love the idea that you can code something and it goes live to the application. Yeah. I love that. But we, here's the thing. You can I do think it. Somebody else is going to pick it up. But you can honestly. do it. Like you can, you can do it yeah. right now. If, if I, well, it's the stupidest idea ever, but sometimes I do it. I use Dropbox as a virtual kind of a virtual environment. So I upload my code on Dropbox and on my cell phone, I open the HTML5 from Dropbox. So every time I refresh the code and upload the code and save the file on Dropbox, automatically is updated on my phone and I can check the code in real time. So it is not that complicated having a file in the cloud that updates automatically on your all your devices. just do that. Create that connection, and it's gonna be great. But don't force me to learn a new code. Right, and, and I think that's always gonna be the. Uh, I think that's always gonna be the attitude. I mean, there, now in the future, you know, in in the future, mm-hmm. um, there may be a code that is so simple. I, I I this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm thinking is gonna happen in the future. Mm-hmm. We're going to see simplified versions of code that we currently have right now yeah. that will unify in the future. And we're talking in the future, like maybe 20 years or something. We're going to find, yeah. we're going to have new code mm-hmm. that works with existing languages. Yes. And not only existing languages, it simplifies them and are still, and it's still read by existing languages. Yes. So it's going to be like a Esperanto of uh, <laughs> HTML yes. type of, you know, web languages. It'll be like an HTML, it'll be like a, a beautiful unification of uh html or or maybe like javascript uh with jquery mm-hmm. with json with uh xml yeah with you know just all kinds of different things and it's you'll just be, be able amazing. to amazing yeah and you'll it'll just be kind of a unity of of different languages yes, exactly and um maybe html as the controller or css mm-hmm. as a controller or a javascript control as a control i don't know but you know something in the future eventually because it's almost like we've got to start speaking the same language for better web design because right now we're we're kind of fractured and i think you know the more we work towards that kind of the more we work towards unifying our current languages instead of making new ones yes i think the better off we'll be so anyway yeah so i you know i think that's uh i think that's it for this episode we did it 
Yeah. We won. And next week we're gonna have more great topics. Yes. Uh, more rants. You'll, yes. You'll, I, I I'm finding that we're both having pretty much the same rant. On, on yeah. We and, we hate everyone. And, uh, <laughs> no. We we just I, I think we hate inconvenience and we hate dumb stuff. Yes. So. We hate dumb stuff. Exactly. <laughs> Shipuya has a subtitle so, of the nerd continuity. We hate we dumb, hate dumb stuff. stuff. <laughs> yes. Don't be dumb. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, I, I think there are, you know, ways to progress without like sacrificing the basics. Cool. All right, guys. Well, you have a great week awesome. and a great rest of your week and, uh, we'll see you next time.